Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. And we are live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Eastman's Wingman Podcast. That is the name we have finally settled on. Um, we've tossed around a few, but we think that one's going to be the one that sticks. So I have, I'm very honored today to have the one and only Jim Ronquest from RNT Calls, RNTV, you name it, 2006 World Champion Duck Caller. Jim, thank you for being on here and taking a, some time and visiting with us today. And I'm excited to talk ducks with you. Hey, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's great. We had a little had a little technology issues, but I think we got it straightened out now and we're rocking. So Yeah. Huh. Thirty minutes later, here we go. Yeah, that's okay. That what I mean, when you put a couple duck hunters in on the same platform trying to get something figured out, you're bound to have a little struggle, but you get it figured out in the end, right? <laughs> that's right. Hey, oh, we, we got there is all the camp, brother. We got we got here. Yes, sir. I agree. I agree. Well, again, thank you for taking the time and coming on. Um, I you've got a you've got a lot of lot on your plate coming up for the fall. I'm assuming, but um, yeah, go ahead, tell us, give us a rundown of kind of what you're staring at. I know plans for a lot of folks have changed a little bit here and there, but without divulging too many secrets for what you've got coming up, what do what do you guys got planned this fall? We have absolutely nothing on the calendar. But we've got lots, lots to talk about now. My, my partner Sean Stahl, who's over here, he's in the shop this week working on stuff. He's probably got some of his stuff wrote down. I know he's going to be gone in September, but I literally have nothing cast in stone as we speak. Now we're talking to lots of folks. We're talking about places and people and things we're going to do this year to try to be different for the show, yet some of the same. Um, so. I don't know. Tune in next next year and find out what happens for season yeah. sixteen on RNTV. I love it. I love it. No, I I like that approach because it's like if you tie yourself down too much to one thing, you can't you can't follow those birds around too well. You know. No, and you know it's we've been talking about it for the past week. We had a TV meeting last week, and Sean and I was talking today and yesterday. We were shooting some stuff for upcoming special episodes hour-long episode for RNTV, and one of the things we talk about is you, you get, it's easy to get stuck doing the same stuff because over time you get to know the people, you get to know the areas. Um, it just gets to be easy, and it's you'll get in a rut and take the lazy way out a lot of times instead of going and trying something new and different and going to other places. So you like to combine some of the old with some new. You, know, you want to do some stuff that's familiar to you, um, that you can hopefully get an episode done, but then uh, you know other times you gotta you gotta lay it out there just to see what happens. No, oh, yes, sir. Yeah, I we're obviously not. You guys are talking TV and sports. You're on the Sportsman's Channel, correct? Correct, correct. Yep. And um, that you guys are doing that stuff, and we're we're filming YouTube stuff. But I it, we run into the same thing on a, obviously a much smaller scale, but. Um, yeah, if you, it's fun to go do the same things and have your go-to spot. You know, we've got a blind down here, not far from 10 minutes from the office where we can run down, do some hunts, film stuff, do whatever. But man, is it fun to be able to 
wander up into Montana or over down into Colorado or someplace else to chase birds too, because you never know what that weather's going to bring you. That's and right. If, and if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're set to a schedule, you're just stuck. And I don't know. I, I like to be flexible. I like that idea. I'm excited to see what you guys got coming up. That'll be, I'm sure you'll get some phenomenal stuff. I'm going to try anyway. Yeah. I've actually got Sean scheduled to do a, to sit down with for a podcast next week. Oh, so cool deal. Yeah. yeah. He, said, he said that. Uh, we talked a minute ago about some stuff. And, and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that next week. So I said, well, that's cool. And, and we tape. Hey, here's something else. We got some new stuff coming this year yet. Um, episode seven airs this week. It's a really cool dog show with Sean and Rick Stosky talking about um, some retriever stuff. It's a really excellent show. And then the following week, we start back with episode one. So uh, the following week, you'll be able to catch, if you haven't caught the show this year, you'll be able to catch episode one through 13 in its entirety. But um, there's new stuff coming for quarter four. So episode eight, through 13 will be all brand new again so oh cool uh, and what got a cool what hunt time is that? This is, uh, let's see saturdays at three eastern is actually there you go lot. um but yeah we got some got some new stuff coming for for later this year so that's all good oh exciting no that's really cool very 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 exciting that's that'll be neat to see you know you talking about you got some dog stuff coming up i just happened to catch a earlier this morning i was flipping through um on your instagram channel actually your instagram feed and you got a little pup that you're working with right now from what i saw i, I do i do a uh, little puppy's out out of my female charlie i was a grand hunt retriever champion the master hunter or the master national pass and sean stalls field champion carl with a k so tiny tiny has got the blood to make it but he was the run <laughs> You know, it's he's just been fun. But the little guy's pretty smart. He wants to be your buddy, so just fun to play with him. Oh, he I, was get, I, Go ahead. Well, really wasn't planning on keeping a puppy out of this litter, but my having a daughter that helped birth those puppies and raise them till they all went to new home, she kind of twisted my finger a little bit about keeping a puppy, and now now she's going back to college and. Daddy's got a puppy to take care of. You get to keep the dog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, the video that I saw, you were, uh, he was giving you a hard time about, he was pretty wound, he's pretty wound up about his food. Yeah, about, it's summertime, man. Time. Yeah, yeah, he woo-woo at you. Um, and he, he, it's turned into a game, but he knows to go in there and sit down, so he's told it's okay to go eat. So, yeah. Um, he's doing for three, almost be four months old next week. So he's, you know, he's doing all right. That's cool. Yeah, no, that is, that's really awesome. I had to laugh. You know, he, he goes in his kennel and, and you're talking to him and he sits down. I mean, he knows the drill. He's got it figured out. And, you know, you, you're throwing all these different words at him. And then you finally give him, I think you said his name. I was, did. And, and that, that was his release command and he could eat. And I, got, I have a, I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old daughters at home and I, we've got a, I've got a duck dog obviously, and they have taken over feeding him. And that was part of the deal. They had to learn that he doesn't get to eat when he wants to eat. He gets to eat when you tell him to. And I tell you what, watching a five-year-old and three-year-old boss that eight-year-old lab around, tell him <laughs> sit, you know, and he has sit and then, all right. And, and our command is eat, you know, she tells him eat and he'll, and he'll get after it. But, 
Oh, I had to laugh. I saw that video. I thought, yeah, buddy, I've been there. <laughs> I know what that's like. That's awesome. Oh, goodness. That's, that's fun stuff. I'm a firm believer, and you got to teach them how to talk, you know, because um, I, I give my dogs, besides the formal stuff that, you know, hunt a lot of places if i want to get in the back of the truck i just get up there on a stump in the woods get up there so right. we, we practice that too so we got a stump in the yard or a momar's final stand and we teach them how to get up and off of things and around and um, just understanding how to communicate you know there's so many people not to turn this into a dog training deal because i am not a dog trainer <laughs> but there's a lot of folks they'll get them a, a uh, started dog, a finished dog, or a puppy, and they think them suckers automatically understand the language, English language better than you do, and, and, and they don't. So you got to help teach them how to communicate. No, I agree. I agree. I do the same thing. I have, you know, what I think what you're talking about, when I, when I tell my dog to get in the back of the pickup, it's load up, and he knows what that means. In a car, it's load up. But if I tell him load up in the field, he's looking at me like, what? You know, I don't understand, but I say, right there you know and i point and say right there that's his spot for the day and he knows that and yep, same same kind of deal yeah we had a hunt last year in fact um that i was in a different spot i had we had a bunch of people we had all our daughters and it was it was a crazy deal but the dog my dog is used to being on the far left end of the blind that was his spot and i just assume yeah he'll go there and he'll be fine well no i was on the far right end of the blind and he didn't like that. And he mm -hmm. kept running around. We're on a bank on a river. And he kept moving around trying to figure out where I wanted him to be. And I finally, I was like right there. And he got right next to me on my right. And he was, then he was settled in. He was fine, but it was different. But if I would have had a, you know, a specific command or something, I don't know. I, I agree with you. My, my, my commands are a little less formal than other folks. That's for sure. Yeah. It's, it's all about communication. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Well, we'll get away from the dog from the dog talk because, like you said, I'm I'm no dog trainer either. But uh, Jim, how did how did you get started with ducks? I mean, it seems like when you talk mallards, especially, you know, your name's just kind of synonymous with duck hunting in in the U.S. And most folks, you know, know who you are and uh, and have been watching you on TV for a long time and and have followed along with your calling career. But how'd you get started? I mean, when we all start someplace, and what's what's that look like for Jim Ronquest? Yeah, man, that's a great question. Um, I I was fortunate. I, I grew up in a hunting family. Um, my dad and mom both uh, loved to hunt and fish. And, and in my house, you had two choices. You was either going to love it or hate it. And probably to my benefit now, you know, I grew up in a time before computers and cell phones and ipads and all this fun stuff that i thought was silly now i got my hands on them every day like everybody else but you know we we went hunting for that's what we did you know dad was 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 a quail hunter and a duck hunter and a goose hunter and a turkey hunter and man that's that's what we did you know and i can remember christmas breaks and all through the holidays you know we would go hunting uh, we'd be quail hunting or go duck hunting in the morning and come back and eat lunch and turn bird dogs loose in the afternoon. And dad would say, well, let's go take a little round, you know, and we'd go bird hunting. And just, I, I always enjoyed it for a variety of reasons. You know, I enjoyed the camaraderie of it. It was time, time I got to spend with my dad and his buddies and my family. Um, 
and they all made me feel part of it. And in the calling aspect, once I started getting that and was around some guys that were good callers, I really enjoyed, again, the communication part, the calling and seeing the reaction and realizing, hey, you just communicated with that critter or you just made that happen. And I really enjoyed that part of it, you know, um, and just kept doing it. And I, I guess you could say become a passion. And here I am, you know, been extremely lucky to get the opportunities I've gotten to do because of wanting to go chase a duck or a goose or a turkey, you know, so it's, it's, it's just lucky. I fell in that spot and lucky. I had family that give me those opportunities. Yeah. That's, I think that story's, I think that rings true with a lot of folks. You know, I, I have this very similar story as far as how I got started in hunting and, was my dad you know i grew up in a hunting family just like you said we hunted all the time i mean every mm -hmm. weekend every time there was a free minute we were in the woods and i'm raising i'm raising my kids to do the same thing and two little girls and they are out there all the time i have a son on the way god awesome. willing he'd be here early september and and uh that's exciting for me but same deal same deal so i i appreciate what you're saying about that because i remember dad stuck a goose call we had i grew up in northern michigan and uh and um a lot of the bird we hunted a lot of geese and mm -hmm. dad stuck an old man i think it was an old goose call in my hand when i was 10 years old I started playing with it and the next thing you know i wasn't old enough to hunt yet but i was going along on hunts and i was calling birds in mm -hmm. and i remember that same feeling what you're talking about you got to watch that bird react to you and you know you make that happen or you you know they make a swing and you get them to come back that was the coolest feeling in the world for me and i th i looked at it now and i've been fascinated with what you guys do of calling calling ducks and making game calls i've been fascinated with that probably since that time in my life and so yeah. so to get a chance to sit down and visit with somebody of like mind is man that's cool you know and I don't know. I, how did how did you get started with RNT specifically? You, you know, that kind of come around too. So, again, growing up hunting, fishing, calling, and really, you know, listening to critters, you know, and trying to sound like them so you could call them up. You know, I really enjoyed that. And then it kind of turned into, you know, of course, if you call a lot, somebody's going to say, hey, man, you're pretty good. You might want to go get one of them contests. And I started studying that. And it, it got my attention. I definitely wanted to do it. And um, I had a little success and did some turkey calling and duck calling contests, small time. And, uh, got around and wanting to learn more and be more involved. And um, Met Butch, uh, come to the world one year, and I went and talked to Butch, got a duck call, and uh, tried to listen, and then went to practicing. And uh, finally one day won a contest and got qualified. <laughs> and, and, you know, that was the first time I got qualified for the world. And, uh I went went back and butchered shot. And he said, "What the hell are you doing here?" I said, "Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to blow that this weekend." Well, you know, and I didn't tell him nothing about it other than then. So we got to be friends after that, and one thing led to another. I was doing other things, running a guide service, doing stuff. Got to be friends with John Stevens um, while John was still in college, and of course, blowing a contest and doing all the stuff we did um, while he was in college. We started getting things growing a little bit and then when john bought the company 
in 99, uh, as Butch's health was getting bad, just I just kind of fell in place working with John uh, from the early days of when he took it over to now. And that's, man, that's been 20-some years ago, and it seems like it was yesterday. Yeah, it's amazing how time flies, like, when you get involved with that. I had a buddy come out and visit me oh, last 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 week. He was here most of the week, and he was laughing. We were laughing because he said, yeah, hard to believe. He was talking about his son. He's like, you know, in, in six more years, he's going to be in college. And it's like, you know, you blink in time. It's like right. you, you just said 99, and I remember 99 like it was yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah, but, me too. But it was a while ago, you know. And yeah. It's like, I mean, I remember watching – watching the rnt videos and all that stuff and you guys are hanging out at, you know at the worlds and and with butch and i think his health had already started to deteriorate at that time but um mm -hmm. you know i'd been following that for it seems like forever and so to hear you talk about yeah you know way back then but man it just i don't know it seemed it wasn't that long ago but it seems but it was at the same time it's crazy exactly that's that's yeah that's well said right it wasn't that long ago but yet it was you know yeah. um 99 was a heck of a good duck season too that year um we've had a couple good ones since too but that everybody remembers that as a great duck season and um i don't know who i was listening out here if you're of that age group, please don't take this offensively. It's not meant that way at all. But, but we do have a saying about class of 99. And, and it's interesting how things has changed. Duck hunting more so maybe than goose hunting because of more familiar with it, at least Canada goose hunting. Snow geese too in specs. But it's amazing how the waterfowl world and waterfowl hunting has evolved in that time frame. Yes, sir. It's pretty pretty amazing to me. You start thinking about how things have changed and what has changed, and from habitat to birds to attitudes to you name it. It's it's a lot. A lot of waters run under that bridge in that twenty some years. Oh, uh, no, I yeah, I agree completely. You know, I look back at pictures from ninety nine and ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand, and in, in that time frame, and it's like. Wow. First of all, I'm like, holy smokes, I was young. And the second of all, I look at it and go, wow, I can't believe so much has changed. Like, like you said, in the industry itself or, and, 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 and in the, the culture of duck hunting, waterfowling kind of across the board. But you know, I look at even the stuff we were wearing, the stuff we were using, you know, it, it wasn't that much different. The stuff we were wearing wasn't that much different than, than the stuff that my dad grew up wearing or our grandfathers grew up wearing as far as mm -hmm. keeping it warm and dry compared to what we have today. It's, mm -hmm. un it's unbelievable. It's mm -hmm. unbelievable. But you talk about that 99 season being a standout. What, what does it take? I mean, what, what, what made 99 special? What does it take to make a great season down there in your neck of the woods? You know, I think it, there's just several things fell together in 99. There was a couple up there together, you know, 98, 99, 99, 2000, right in about the turn of the century there. Boy, that's weird to say. <laughs> that's just, that just kind of come out of nowhere. But I know it. We, we had a lot, you know, ducks were really coming back off. The prairies were coming back off the big drought. Um, 98, we had some water here in the bottoms. 99 was a dry duck season here. If you were a public ground hunter, like except for the one 
private place I had, and we spent a lot of time in public woods back in those days. We at that time we could still commercial hunt on okay. state and federal ground. Um, we'd got water late that year, but early we had again a perfect storm. Had a really good hatch, you know, mid continent mallards. B pop that year mallards was 11 million plus, and they had really good recruitment, and some weather started hitting early in in the plains and northern tier states and we started getting some early migrations and i remember it being warm and i'm like oh man this sucks a little story here this is a good one <laughs> the week before that duck season opened and again at the time i was running rich and tone guide service and we weren't a big outfit by no means but we'd gotten to the point where we could stay full to what we could handle you know we could handle eight folks a day pretty easy and keep most time people at least on a decent hunt so i had one group of eight come and want to hunt all together i'd been working on blinds and finishing up i had a place we hunted in old dead timber creek and if you remember some of the early rnt videos you saw that place i do i do remember uh, those videos so and i remember I, what you're talking about so we're getting ready to go and man we're still i'm still kicking cotton mouse off the duck blind port no. about every other day you know um wasn't seeing no ducks and i told my wife i said then i said i don't i said rosie i don't know what we're gonna do I said there ain't no ducks around we got this big group of hunters coming in and look regardless of your thoughts about commercial hunting at that time that was a main part of my wife and i's business we did sure. our livelihoods we just been married a couple of years we was borrowing money from the bank to operate on and i know you hear a lot of folks they go on hunts and you know they don't hit it right and god may not be able to give her money back there was a reason for that for us i was like my God, what are we going to do? These folks are going to come. They're going to hate me. They're, they're never going to come back because we ain't got nothing around. Well, she's like, hell, I tell you what, we just, when you come out, I'll make sure I cook a big breakfast for them because we were just what you might call a day hunt operation. We weren't lodging people and putting them up. You okay. met me at a farm shop or a gas station and then we went sure. hunting. That's kind of sure. how we work things. So she said, well, we'll come back to the house. We'll cook a big lunch, you know, big, we'll put, and, and we'll do the best we can. And at the time, we was doing this. We lived in a 900 square foot house, so not like it was real big. So, man, that opening morning comes the day before. I'm, I went and set decoys that next morning. I was like, oh, oh, there's, I saw maybe two dozen gabwalls. So, man, this is gonna be a tough one. But you know, hey, that's life. We're gonna get through it. All right. So here we go. Next morning, get up, go hunting. Freaking awesome, buddy. We shot eight limits and mine, and was back to the house by 9:30. So I get home. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I walk in the door and said, y'all hang on a minute. So I walk in and my wife Rosie said, my gosh, you're back already. Was it that bad? <laughs> I couldn't give a straight face. I said, no, we done. And uh, she said, what do you mean you're done? I said, we got 11 ducks. We can't shoot no more. These guys are as happy as a pig in a poke. <laughs> you know, it was just a really good moment. But that started a run of some uh, of a great duck season. You know, we averaged. Oh, gosh, I think we had one blind. That, that one hole one killed over 1,500 mallard ducks that duck season. We wow. just had a really good straight run at ducks. And that was before we even turned, learned how to turn the spinners on, you know. So right. that was just, you know, back to it, I think that duck season, things fell right. And we had a push that night and just everything fell in place and you know i kept the calendar that i kept track of and i don't do that anymore on purpose because we got too caught up in numbers and it's not about the numbers it's how you right. play the games but every now and then i'll go back and uh, look digging my calendars out because i'd write down every day you know what blind did what and um 
again, got past that because that ain't the deal. But it's just fun stuff, fun times. And that year will probably go down as not the very best, but one of those years that you go, that was a good duck season. Yeah, that that was a great story. I tell you what, I appreciate you sharing that with us because that I think everybody, you know, whether they're talking about guiding or whatever, everybody's had that that empty feeling in the pit of their gut where it's like, man, this morning's going to suck when there's no birds around. And then every now and then you get a surprise and That's like, right. like yours and you don't know, you know, obviously if, if you've got paying clients, whatever, you've got to get out of bed, you got to make it happen. And I love that. I love the idea that your wife was going to feed them breakfast, you know, and, and do the best you can. Cause that's, all you got, you know, but, um, if, if you don't, it just goes to show you, if you, you know, don't sleep in, get up, go out. Cause after, at the end of the day, it is, it's about how you play the game and you get out there and you never know what's going to happen. And Hey, if you don't, don't go, you don't know that. Oh, well said. Absolutely. We had a, I had a morning similar here. It wasn't a guided deal, but it was taking a couple guys out that I'd never hunted with last year. And I remember thinking, man, I, I don't know. It was, it was, our ducks were vampire ducks that were feeding in dry fields all night long. Cause it was really warm. It was warm for us. It was, you know, in the twenties and thirties and bright sunshine all day long. And, and they were just sitting on the water, not doing anything. And we didn't have a lot of birds anyway, but I took these two guys out. We wanted to, wanted to go hunting and it's like, all right. So we went out and I, I remember, I remember telling one of the, the camera guys here, I was like, don't, don't just sleep in don't worry about it i was like it's just gonna go out and have, we're gonna have a good time and if we shoot some ducks great but i'm not planning on it being any good we got out there and i get we get the decoy set up and it you know it's starting to get shooting light nothing's going on nothing's going on and all of a sudden those ducks decide to come back from the field and it was a cyclone problem you know probably two three thousand mallards trying to get into one little stretch of river and it was just a cyclone mm. of ducks getting in there and we shot <laughs> We shot our 15 greenheads and got out of there as fast as we could. You know, the dogs were going crazy. and But just goes to show you, if we, if I'd have called those guys and said, nah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We'll do it another time. It's not going to be any good. We wouldn't have had that morning. You know, right? And it was it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. And then there's other times, like what you said, it's not all about the numbers. There's other times when you go out and you might shoot one duck or no ducks, but you have a great time with the guys you're with or the crew you got or, you know, you something happens where you're out there and you see something incredible happen. And it's like, I wouldn't have, if I stayed in bed, I wouldn't have gotten to see that. There you go. You know, that's, that's it in a nutshell right there. And there's other mornings where, you know, you just know, well, this is one good day to stay in bed, catch up on a little bit of sleep. You know, you get some of those too. There are those. Yep. There are those where it's like, nah, we're going to, we're going to hold off. You know, I, I, uh, you always have that where you, where you're just not, you just know that it's like, nope, gonna sleep. <laughs> gonna, yeah, just gonna, gonna you look at the weather, you know, go to bed. Yep, yep. Gonna make breakfast for the girls in the morning and and just lay low. Yep. That's right. Normally, That's I'd right. say. You were talking a minute ago about um, them uh, ducks feeding heavy, not just laying up on the river all day. Right. Um, you just got to keep going, right? Or how do y'all deal with that any differently? Or you just, you know, bottom line, just keep putting your time in. Yeah, it's, 
it's a lot of scouting, you know, and, and the river bottom where we are here, we're, we're in a, it's called the Bighorn Basin. And it's a big, huge, about hundred, you know, enormous basin with two, with rivers that all meet up that flow north up into the Yellowstone. Um, and so we're surrounded by mountains, but there's one little cut that the birds can get down into this. And we right here around Powell, Wyoming, we've got a lot of agriculture and they, and they raise a lot of barley and a lot of corn and among other things. And so we, we do get quite a few ducks that'll winter over here or they'll stop for until the weather gets real bad. But with those rivers, they're not real big, but they're real fast and they don't freeze. I mean, it, it's got to be, Jim, it's got to be 20, 30 degrees below zero for multiple days before our rivers will freeze up and, and the birds move out. Um, mm -hmm. so it's kind of a wintering area, but yeah, it's a lot of running the river bottoms with binoculars from a distance tr at, um, at, at daylight, trying to see where those birds are going back in, you know, cause they'll feed all night long in those fields, usually in corn that time of year. And then they'll start mm -hmm. trading back into the fields or into the, into the river about seven thirty or eight o'clock. And they really like to hit some you know fairly some places where the edges are soft not real fast and it's got overhanging feed there's a plant there's a tree they planted out here years and years ago called russian olives and it, it grows mm -hmm. a little little olive and those birds really like that they get i've seen them get right up in the tree and flapping around in there but if you can get on a piece of slow water um or with with russian olives on it that's where those birds want to be and it's just well, kinda, I, and then it's getting permission to, to get in there i hunt some stuff in western nebraska just like that you know yep. And, yep. and them russian olives will just cut the fire out of you man yes they will they have some thorns on them don't they they do at that they're they're pretty rough yeah they've i remember the first time i'd i'd never been around them in, until i moved into this area and i remember going out in the dark working my way down a bank to the river i'd found a found a pretty good loafing area where the birds were in and I got my headlamp on but I'm not paying any attention and I grabbed one I slipped in the snow and I grabbed one and I put that thorn right through the webbing between my fingers the skin mm. you know through my glove and I'm like ah man and it's dark I'm not paying attention it start I get decoys set out and I'm looking around I'm like man I, that feels weird I pulled my glove off and there's this stick stuck through my skin I fished it out of there but yeah, those things are fierce. Yeah, they get so yeah, thick. They get so thick too. You I mean you can't walk through them? You know, they they just they get. You almost got to have a dog can get underneath them, and uh, but man, alive! You knock a bird down in that stuff without a dog. A lot of times, he won't even hit the ground. He just hang up in that in those trees. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Crazy, yeah, crazy, crazy. Neat, neat stuff. You know what? something a lot of people forget that you know folks talk about duck hunting and duck hunting hot spots around the country and um we're, we are cer certainly one of them here um you know we've got a great reputation and there can be some great hunts here but there's a lot of top shelf world-class mattered hunting mattered duck hunting in a lot of other places that people don't think about and i'm not necessarily going to start rattling them off either but, uh, <laughs> um there's there's a there's a lot of places people don't think about how good the duck hunting is. No, I I completely agree with you. We had uh, had a conversation with um, Ryan Bassham earlier and earlier last week, and that's one of the things he was talking about. You know, hunting ducks 
all over the place in places that literally you go, there's ducks there. And, you know, I I remember, I remember when, when I moved out here to Wyoming and I didn't live where I live now, but like I said, not to give away any hotspots, but I, and I left a lot of my duck hunting stuff back in Michigan. I was like, I'll either come get it later or we'll figure it out. And I was very surprised at, uh, not so much where I first where I first lived. I was on the in the I was in Turkey Central over in the northeast corner, but there was some duck spots over there too. That late, I was surprised at how late. I remember growing up, we didn't have we were so far north growing up, Jim. That that our teal were gone by opening day. It was rare to see a teal, and we didn't have an early teal season. Um, and I remember I was jump shooting this slough in northeastern Wyoming on a piece of ranch property that I got permission to hunt and I I jumped a green wing teal drake and I was so flabbergasted that I saw this green wing teal in December that I didn't even shoot him <laughs> he jumped up flew off and I went oh my gosh I, I suppose I should have shot that that bird oh but it is it's surprising you know you get in different places around the country and and man alive um Speaking of that, we'll transition into, into this conversation then because you brought it up and I was going to ask you anyway. I mean, you guys obviously have some incredible hunting where, where you are. Like you said, it's world famous. Everybody wants to come to Arkansas, especially Stuttgart area and, and hunt. Um, mm-hmm. But what are some of the other places around the country that, that you look forward to, to going every year? Man, that's, you know... Um... Naturally, I like staying here at home. You know, when things are good here, it's 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 still when it's right, it's still right. You know, um, that being said, I some of my other favorite places. Now, let me preface this with I've not been everywhere yet. So, sure. at least of the places I've been thus far, um, I got a tie for second place. It, it, my other than here is is North Missouri and in Western Nebraska. Um, those those are places I like to go every year. Kansas, Oklahoma. Uh, I always look forward to the, some of the Central Flyway stuff. Um, I've never hunted South Dakota. You know, you as a non-resident, you got to draw or whatnot. Right. I'm right. Bet, I'm betting there's some cool stuff goes on in South Dakota. Um, North Dakota also. Um, years ago, I hunted on the Columbia River out in Oregon, and that was that was quite the sight that's something I, I hope to do again before i get too old to do it it just gets tough getting that far away with all your stuff you know sure sure uh, but you know just as far as anything from right here in a in a solid day's drive you can be in a lot of fine stuff um you know parts of west tennessee and mississippi and it's just fabulous you know in western kentucky there's there's a lot of good duck hunting within a half a day to a day's drive from right here, not including what you can get into as, as you start west, you know, northern central flyway. Um, I've not been out in your part of the world, so I can't comment on it, but I bet there's some pretty good stuff out there too. There is, there is. And if you get an itch, we'd love to have you sometime. <laughs> We've definitely always got always got room in blinds and and uh, would love to show you. But that... Uh, you know, you're talking about the Dakotas. I've got a buddy that lives in North Dakota and he, it's a lot like where we grew up. Their season is, you know, they're, they're out of birds by November for the most part. I mean, they're froze up usually. And, 
lot of those birds are, are moved on. But he said, you know, early, man, it's it's unbelievable. And then, and then they obviously, mm-hmm. the flights of geese that they get through there are just just out of this world. But the Dakotas are, are definitely on my list for sure. I've never drawn South Dakota, so I've not hunted it. Um, I'm in the same boat there with you, but, uh, no, that's, that's interesting. The, so what struck you about the Columbia? You know, just, I was out there. When was I out there in the early nineties? Um, at the time I was a pro staff guy for another call company and the hunt opportunity came up and, um, got to fly out there and enjoy it. But what struck me is that big, wide, shallow, shallow river and all the ducks trading up and down the river and the lack of hunting pressure um, at that time. Um, of course, hunting pressure then, this is kind of a weird one to get into. There was more duck hunters probably then than there is now, but the pressure now seems to increase because those of us who are participants tend to move around more. Um, that, that, that gets into a whole other rabbit hole right there. But I just remembered all the ducks, and I think we were hunting near the, I think it's the McNair Refuge. Okay. Um, I think that's it. Let me look it up here. I think that's what it's called. I think you're right. I, I think you're right. I'll look um, at it the same time. Um, you know, we hunted with uh, <clears throat> Paul. You've heard, everybody's heard of Paul's Pond, Paul Sullivan. Yep. Um, we was hunting with Paul Sullivan back then. He just had a wonderful trip. McNary National Wildlife Refuge. Yep. I think that's it. Yep. I'm, I think I'm looking at it with you. Same time. I, I think it's McNary. And I remember, you know, and I was out there during our duck season here. And at the time, I was guiding for another outfit. Um, and I was calling home every day. And, and they was getting them here. And we was getting them there. I said, man, boys, this is way different out here. This is pretty cool. I think it's McNary. Where's McNary at? Well, that's what I was just looking at, but it's, I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're on, I think you're on the right, I think that's the right, the right one. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, it just, it just struck me, all the ducks out there, and man, they make you feel like a hero. You'd hit a hard lick at them. Wap, 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 man. Good sail over to you. Um, just, <laughs> Good stuff, man. Just good stuff. Um, you, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I may get tired, but I don't get tired of it. There you go. <laughs> yep. Little nap right back in the game, right? <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm going to have to remember that saying. I tell you what, I'm going to steal that one if you don't mind. That's a good you one. You go right ahead. You're welcome to it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. No, you know, fine. y'all got it. I always got to remember at the beginning of every duck season, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Boy, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? How many, uh, so when do you guys start down in Arkansas? What's your, what's your start date and then what's your end date? We will start the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Okay. Which this year is 20, naturally 20 something. And then we will go to the 31st of January um, and we'll have a break in between so th- we have a big split season so this year we'll run from looks like November 21st to probably first split we'll probably get, 
we'll probably the 21st to the 29th, most likely. May run over into the Monday the 30th. Then we'll take it. We'll be off for a little over a week, that first week in December. And we'll probably start back somewhere around the 10th of December and run till the 23rd of December. I don't know why they do that here, but we'll be off Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And then we'll start back the day after Christmas and go to the end of January. Interesting. They do this. They do something similar for us. Our split is earlier in the, it's earlier in the year there. I got it up now. Um, <clears throat> our split is earlier in the, in the year than yours is. We start earlier, but so we've, and we've got two flyways here. Um, what we're hunting. Yeah, y'all get the Pacific and the Central. Yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and we primarily just hunt the central here. We got to get over on the western side of the state um, along the Idaho border to get in the Pacific stuff. But yeah, we're looking at an October 3rd start here with a closure from the 18th of October to the 31st of October. And then we run through till January 19th. And so uh, it's, yep. And it's kind of like, I, I don't know. I, everybody has their wish list, right? But I, I'd almost sacrifice those days in October for uh -huh. for for days later in January because we, like I said, we get so many birds that winter here, or you know, or we'll start seeing reverse migration. But and it's and it's kind of like, man, I I don't know how many years in a row now we've had it where we're still killing geese. We can hunt geese into February, but you're out there limited out on geese and you've got mallards just swarming you. You know, and you can't do it. You can't do anything about it. And it's, I was it, just going to ask you when you thought your best time of year to hunt was. I would, man. I would say those weeks in January are awfully good. I've had some really dead dates in November. Um, you, you, you're chomping at the bit to get out there, and you get some time off around Thanksgiving, and you get out and get in the woods and around the river and the fields, and and there's birds, but not like there are the end of december january we usually get a cold snap in december and it seems like with that cold snap comes birds because it chases them out of out of some of the stuff they're sitting on in montana and mm -hmm. holy smokes you know you'll go from one day where you go for driving you're not seeing hardly anything you know the same couple hundred birds you've been seeing all fall and then all of a sudden the next morning you'll get up and there'll be birds everywhere you know or you'll go outside at night to let the dog out and there's birds flying over in the dark, you know, and you hear them coming mm -hmm. in. And so <clears throat> I would, yeah, I would say January. I, I, like I said, I would trade those, I would trade those first 15 days of October for 15 at the, in the, in the tacked on to the end of January for sure. Right. No, no doubt. Right. We have resident ducks. I mean, same as you guys, I'm sure, but um, mm -hmm. it's just not, you know, it's not like it is in other parts where growing up in Michigan, resident the, the opening day was you were out because there were lots of resident birds around and, and there's lots of water, birds that nested there and lived there and you you raised them. You know, they, they grew up there and you got to hunt them. But here it's it's a little different. You know, there's a lot there's lots of lots of Wyoming that's high and dry and there's no water for ducks. <laughs> you're you well, I think that's probably beneficial. Now, you know, we don't have many ducks we raise in this part of the world. There'll be a few stay around. I mean, a, a very dang few. Um, sure. It's like probably less than 100, you know. Mm. Um, 
but you you know you'll get them early ducks. We'll get some mallards in their calendar mallards. Um, yep. The first depends on teal season. Depends on that first good cold front we get. Um, they'll normally be a mallard or two early. You'll hear an old hen hollering somewhere. You know they'll just get caught up in that first first little run there. Um, and then uh, you know you start picking some more. But Thanksgiving's always a prime time for some of the stuff here around. Stuttgart, some of the old time private woods places here, that Thanksgiving time frame is still pretty good. You can mark your calendar that somewhere into the second week in November, November 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, right in there, um, there's going to be a big push of matter to show up. A, a buddy of mine, one of my good friends, manages the place. And we always talk about it. We'll go looking around early November. We'll go check a rest area, and there'll be a few matters around. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, sometime in that week, that time frame, there's going to be a pile of them show up. You know, and it's just – and they're calendar ducks, you know, but then you'll get more as the year moves on. But those are always fun to get started with, for sure. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting to talk to, to fellows from different parts of the country, you know, and, and see when they're, when they're times that they're – that they think are their best times are or when they see pushes of birds, you know, it's the same thing when you, we always get a big storm in October. Usually it's, usually it's early October, somewhere in the first two weeks of October, we always get a big storm. And with that storm, there's always birds. Then they're coming right out of Canada. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're fresh out of Canada and, or, you know, Northern Montana, but usually, usually Southern Canada. And, yeah, sometimes and sometimes you can get on them. A lot of times that seems to fall in our split. <laughs> you know that that time ah. frame where we're closed, we'll get a big storm, and you know the mountains will get blasted with two feet of snow, and the guys are up there chasing elk and deer around and snow up to their horses' tails. You know, but uh, you know the guys that are chasing ducks are if they if it's open, they're usually having a pretty good time. But a lot of times that that it, it falls in that split, and then they either reverse migrate or they go right on through and they're gone. By the time it opens again, you might have a, a day or two of good shooting and then sayonara. And then you're waiting, then you're waiting until December for good numbers of birds to show up again. But, uh, that's yeah, interesting. It's really interesting. I mean, you, you obviously live in a very storied part of the country and you'd say Stuttgart, Arkansas, there's not a duck hunter around. That's not like, man, I want to go hunt there someday, you know? <laughs> Uh, well, it's at least fun to come see. Uh, we, you know, we ever get rid of this COVID nineteen. Oh. Um, it, it's certainly a fun place to go see. And if you're a student of mallard duck hunting history, I notice I preface that as mallard duck hunting history. Right. It, it's 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 really cool to come see it and uh, um, realize that it's just another piece of dirt, but it, it represents a lot to to duck hunters anyway. No, I would I would agree with you and. That it's been on my list for a long, long time, and unfortunately, I have not made it down there. But I tell you what, when I do, I'm gonna walk in and shake your hand. <laughs> yeah, man. Yes, sir. But, but yeah, it's just it's just a cool place. Like I said, it's one of those things I remember as a kid. My dad was fascinated with the East Coast, the Chesapeake Bay area, ah, and Maryland. Yes, sir, Easton. And I remember going. Man, I couldn't have been more than. 12 13 maybe 14 years old and he took us we went we were out there and we went to easton and we went to the waterfowlers hall uh, museum 
in Easton, uh -huh. Maryland. Uh -huh. What a cool place to check out waterfowl history. My goodness. Man, their, their history runs deep out there on Chesapeake and, and these other places up and up the Mississippi River from here that and even over east of here on Mississippi River, history is way older than history in the Stuttgart area. But that, uh, last year we had the fortune, good fortune, to go to Easton for the first time and judge out there. And it was really cool to get to see all the old stuff and, and realize how important that history is to what we're doing today. No, absolutely. It, you know, you, when you see, when I saw that as a kid, I was, I've always been a history guy, but when I saw that as a kid, it, what it impressed upon me was how much tradition there is in the culture of waterfowling, you know, whether mm -hmm. and I, I say that across the board, you know, what you say, I'm a duck hunter. Oh, I'm a goose hunter. Yeah. But we're all waterfowlers, you know, we're all part of the That's, same, same fraternity. And when I say duck hunting, personally speaking, if I say duck hunting in this concept context, I mean, all of it. I, I, right. I just, I guess, cause I'm lazy. I, 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 remove waterfowler and put duck hunter and i'm meaning the same person whether he's a bona fide canada goose chaser or snow goose hunter or he's still a duck hunter in my book so yeah no i agree i agree with you i, I know what you mean you said something earlier too about uh doesn't matter what kind of hunting you're doing as long as you're hunting <laughs> right and I, I i'm with you i'm with you we i don't know what you're you know where, where you sit on the big game side of things but you know that's our parent company is obviously that's how we started. And that's, that's our bread and butter is Western big game hunting. Um, you know, with the TV show and the magazines and it's, that's what we do. But, um, I'm fortunate to be the, the resident wing nut, they call me and I'm fine. I'm fine with that title. So I get to do this uh, too. Man, you got, you got cut off there. I don't know really what happened, but. Oh, um, sorry. You, you start. Yeah. It just, it went blank there for a minute. So, um, and I, I swear I didn't touch the Skype thing, but you said <laughs> it's about something I referenced earlier. Um, just back up and start all over again there. So you referenced earlier, we in very early about on about hunting anything. Just about yeah, hunting about, anything. I like to be hunting. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And so we were, one of the things that we, that we get out here is our parent company, Eastman's is obviously. Mm -hmm big game i mean that's that's what we do from the tv show to the magazines and books and videos and, very very yeah. familiar with it one, one one i like to watch yeah well, i appreciate that i appreciate that and i they call me the the wing nut because i'm the and that's fine with me because i get to where they're sitting at home watching football i'm hunting ducks and chasing geese so <laughs> that's, that's right fine. but any anyway that's so much of what we do here our you know our season doesn't start till october but a lot of times in October, we're cha we're busy chasing big games still, and well, when that and when that know, thing closes down is when our waterfowl season really gets going, and there's a very and that's distinct kind of the beauty of it. You oh, bet. that's something. The past couple of years, I've wanted to start doing more of is big game hunting. So, I did a mule deer hunt a couple of years ago in Nebraska. Um, last year, I did elk hunt in Utah, um, and all the years growing up back circling back around how i got into it you know dad loved to hunt he liked rifles and he liked building rifles and shooting rifles but we didn't big game hunt a lot it's kind of interesting dad was a bird hunter more than a deer hunter but he really liked rifles hunting rifles and i remember you know growing up reading jack o'connor and all, you know just reading about western big game hunt in the model 70 so being 
our partnership with Winchester, um, I got to take a, a Model 70 Super Grade and go hunt a big old bull elk with it last year. So that that was kind of a turning point. So I want to try to do a little more of that while I'm still able. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head there, too. That's We were having a conversation in here this morning. Um, one of the guys just took off for a archery mountain goat hunt. And, you know, he's he's young man in his, I think he's 30 or he's 32. And he's just just all all go no quit you know all the time and mm-hmm. and we kind of laugh you know i was telling him like yeah i gotta get horses straightened around and get all that stuff squared away for october so he's like horses he's laughing of course we just we just dropped a video with him with his last year's elk hunt using horses in the back country but <laughs> you got to find a way to make you know because your body's only going to last so long and and uh you, you got to find a way to do it. And I don't want to transition this into a big game discussion by any means, but you had said that about as long as it's haunting, I don't care. And I'm right there with you. I, I feel, yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I have my priorities, but that's, that's, that's fun stuff. Um, I will, I know you didn't want to turn it into a big game deal, but I'm going to ask how much go for time do y'all, get, do y'all get spent in the back country? You know, I'll, a lot, a lot. It's it's one of those things where living out here, it's kind of, you know, it's hot right now. I'm sure it's hot where you guys are too. Um, and you, at least, at least we can escape it. And we joke about that. You know, it'll be 90. It's hot. I don't know how 90 something out here today, but it's like, all I got to do is go drive an hour and I'm at 9,000 feet and it's 30 degrees cooler. You know, and I can do that well, yeah. every afternoon even, if I want to. And I'm saying at night out there now even, uh, yeah. this evening, it might be 95 right now, but this evening if you're outside after dark, you're looking for a sweatshirt or building a fire or something. Yeah, it definitely cools down. It definitely cools down. But getting kind of getting around that is that's that's what I mean is we're in the backcountry all the time for that reason. You know, we're all we all love to fly fish. We all love to backpack hunt or backpack with our families or, you know, we're, you know, I, I didn't make it into that drainage this year. I'm going to let's, let's jump on horses or, Hey, let's just throw the backpacks on and let's go check some stuff out. You know, um, constantly, constantly. You're just mountain. Summertime is you just want to be in the mountains. That's, that's where you want to be. And, uh, yeah, I, I hate to say it, but you know, my, my retriever spends more time running around in the mountains, in the summer than he does probably running drills but he's he's, uh, also, he's, also right. eight, he's happy eight years old you know so he knows he knows that he knows every you know what i expect of him i just got to keep him in shape now <laughs> right that's it they remember you know they know they know exactly what's going on no absolutely absolutely so how did your elk hunt come about in in utah um, yeah that went pretty easily i guess um so one of the people we work with at Winchester Farms, Glenn Hatt, is uh, the manager of the Winchester Farms brand for Brownie. And him and I got to be buddies. And I said, man, that's something I've always wanted to do, is do an elk hunt. And he has a buddy, has a ranch that's part of that, what do they call it out there? I want to say ranching for wildlife. Yeah. Got big enough track that you, they right. can... They get so many guaranteed tags and whatnot, and so I saved up my money and 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 sold a couple odds and ends to come up with enough to to 
booked the hunt basically so it was a private land utah hunt um it was just pick your dates and go um went in september didn't i should have waited longer you know it was something <laughs> stuck in the back of my mind it's always said never pass one on the first day you shoot on the last day yeah uh, yep. so i got i got to hear a little bugling but i didn't get to get up in the big middle of it you know snot slinging and bugling but there was a nice five-point bull herding a herd of cows over one of them high mountain pastures, and I thought, boy, that's so pretty. There and, you go. <laughs> uh, there you go. You know, and he, he's a nice five-by-five five bull. All right, he's the biggest one I ever shot. Let's put it like that. There you, you know? go. Absolutely. Um, and, and then I thought, man, I still had another whole four days to hunt, you know, before I had to come home. So um, I probably should have hunted longer, but, again, it kept back in my mind, I kept thinking, if this was the last day, you know, you would think twice about it. And I, I heard that, might have heard it on one of the Eastman shows or read it somewhere about never pass one on the last day. You never pass one the first day, you shoot on the last day. So sure, sure. I, no, I, I, I flipped the switch on the three hundred. There you go. That's awesome. Yeah, you know that happens. That happens. You know, it can happen with waterfall, with hunting in general, where you sometimes you make a decision and later on you look back at that and go, um. I should have shot that bull or man, I should have, I should have sat that hole that morning, you know, and, and done uh -huh. different. You know, we had a, it happens every year where you make a decision early in the hunt to walk away from something or, you know, not to go do a, a certain hunt and the weather rolls in and your opportunity for the next few days is taken from you and you, you mm -hmm. might not be able to get out. You know, we had, we had a hunt last year where it was opening morning. We had a, one of the guys from the office uh, had his son out. Uh, and this YouTube video actually dropped, I think, next week or anyway, soon. But it was his son's first hunt, first elk hunt. And we we were able to call in this bull. And it was like, he's looking at me, said, what do you think? And I said, man, we got, it's been snowing for two days and it's not going to stop. We may not, this may be as good as we get. You know, and it was a it was a nice six point bowl and the kid made a good shot and we ended up with a good bowl. But it was it was a good thing we did because the weather just got worse and worse and worse. And by the time we started by the time we got that bowl packed out and hung up, Jim, you couldn't see two hundred yards. So oh man. Your hunt was all it was done. You know, and, and it was like we had an hour, an hour and a half to get it done in the morning, not knowing that, and we did. And then by the time we get this bull back to the truck and hung up, of course, we're in grizzly country, so we're working fast um, mm -hmm. to get him hung up in the trees and stuff, and you couldn't see anything. And the weather kept yeah. us socked in, and we ended up hanging out in the wall tent for the whole rest of the day and, and the next and before we could get out of there. So you just never yeah. know. You just never know. You know, you think, oh, I might, but yeah, I think you're spot on with don't pass up on the first day what you'd shoot on the last you know and that's that so i've not regretted it ever since and i don't know what he majored out at somebody one of the guys out there did i got to get my antlers uh because couldn't bring any thing back to arkansas because of our cwd deal yeah. or you know it's got to be boiled and dried or whatnot so we're gonna try to meet up in nebraska so i can get my antlers but there you go i think it you know everybody said it for a, as a five point he's very respectable so hey it's good by me I'll go for a bigger one next time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like what you said. Next time. That, that, means, right. that means there's more to come. 
No, that's I that, sure hope so. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. I I love it. Um. Yep. So what you know? I mean, kind of getting back to back to the waterfowling. You know, you said you had you're wide open this year. You don't have you don't have all anything really written down or anything planned. Um. That said, if you had to get if you got stuck someplace hunting one type of duck for the whole rest of the year, what's it going to be? Man, that's, that's, that's a no brainer for me. I don't necessarily want to want to be a mallard purist, but I'm 95% one. So if you just got to make me pick one, it had to be a green top. How's it going to be? Is it where, are you going to do it in the timber? Are you going to do it in a, oh, and the reason, I, just the reason got... I ask this question is I've asked, I've asked this question to just about everybody so far. And I've had like the last six guests say, "Man, flooded timber mallards, <laughs> hands down." Man, you know, and and that's probably what I'd pick because that's what I'd like. But I'm on, I'm gonna be a little bit more broad than that because the woods is where my heart is anyway. Uh, but you know, maybe it's small water. You know, maybe it's a maybe we'll expand woods into you can't call it flooded timber, but uh warm water sloughs in western nebraska a little tight bend in a creek uh, maybe it's maybe it's on a small river system somewhere you know and you're still and you're breaking them high trading ducks and that, that's my favorite uh grant i love going to places some of the nice tracks of private woods and ducks are coming to that track you know they've been in the field all night and they're coming to the woods in the morning and they're, they're cruising the timber and they're happy ducks chattering everywhere and you got to steer them around but it's breaking them high trading ducks late in the morning in big tracks with them river bottoms, you know, with a big river. Um, and you've had a big long boat ride to get there. And it's as wilderness as you can get for this part of the country. And you're way deep in the woods, breaking high ducks on a December blue, clear sky. That, that still turns my crank. Oh man, that's, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. You talk about breaking high ducks. That's for somebody that's, that, might not understand what what you're saying you're talking about calling hard at birds that are way up high that are not really looking at where you're trying to be and you're getting their attention no. and pulling them down to you correct correct that's exactly yeah. that. well, i call it hunting trading ducks right, um, right they're trading from point a to point b um I, I would think some of your country out west would lean to that pretty well you know ducks finding rivers uh and just, you know, get two or three guys that's used to calling and working together and you get a bunch broke and then that bunch, another bunch sees them spinning and you start picking up some more. And that's, that's, that's the creme de la creme amount of duck hunting right there to me, especially if you're doing it in the woods up in the river bottoms. I know. Oh, I love that. I love that because that's, that's one of the things that, you know, you, you do some writing and you do, you know, you, you give, it's obviously seminars and, and tips on calling and tips on hunting. And one of the things that, that I had seen most recently of yours was um, I think it was for ducks unlimited magazine. And you had talked about late season ducks. It might've been an article from last year late, but about toning things down. And, and, but the whole, the whole point of what you're talking about is um, knowing what, what calls to make knowing what to do in that situation in those various situations and you talk about we get a lot of the same thing out here where we get those ducks trading back and forth for they might come back to the river first thing from the fields that they've been all night long but then they want to fly up and down for 
you know, a couple hours. And then by midday, they're pretty well settled in someplace. And I don't know if trading routes, you know, what? yes, yes. And, and you know what they're doing, you know, you just kind of play it by ear, but sometimes backing off makes a world of difference. Uh, we got a show coming up. It's going to be on the fourth quarter hunt. We did in Mississippi on a couple really fine, fine legacy type properties over there. We got an invite to my first trip was around new year's and then we, uh, and we could hammer on pretty good. We had a little cold front. And then the next time was right there at the last week of the season. They invited us back and we kind of wanted some more footage and the weather was different. And the guy said, man, we hunted yesterday and didn't, didn't do nothing. And, uh, we just ducked fly around, didn't do nothing. So I changed everything up, changed my tactics and, and we got the great duck God give us one. And, and we shot a limited ducks on camera that morning, but we changed one guy said, man, you almost like a different person. So well, would you blow on a different call? I said, no, I was blowing the same call of blue last time. Um, we just changed the way we went at things. And that's, that's sometimes the, can be a big difference in traveling. You're kind of one of the things traveling around doing the show deal. You get the opportunity to go a lot of places, but you're going in blind. So you kind of pay attention to local knowledge, local talent, sure. um, and then try to apply what you think, you know, along with theirs and then experiment because you, you got to call at them before you know how to call to them. So oh, uh, can I steal that too? <laughs> yeah. You, well, you can bar. You can all, bar right, all right. All right. All right. All right. Deal. <laughs> that is so true though you know you go and it, it's in what you said about the two different days uh, you see that every season where you're talking to ducks one way on one on one on any on this day and it's working and you go back two days later or maybe the next day and it's not working for whatever reason they you know if you were hot on them you know every time you blew the call and you and you just blasted at them just got right in their face with it they just reacted you know they just banked right in and they they were eating it up right you couldn't keep them off of you You go back two days later might even be a different spot so you're working different birds and nope nothing you got to like barely get their attention and then maybe some squeaks and some chatter and that's it that's right (laughs) And every day is a new day, so just always got to keep that in mind. No, I you got to call at them before you know know how to call to them. That is, I love that. That is very very true. Very very true. You hear it all the time. You know, growing up, we hunted a ton of public, and that was a lot of what we had. And big sloughs, you know, big huge open marshes or bays off of the Great Lakes, and you know, every quarter mile, there's somebody set up with a spread hunting and man it was like everybody's doing the same thing you hear it just guys just reefing on those calls all all day and early in the season they're shooting their shared ducks but man by the time you get a week or two in those ducks are like nope been there done that not even paying attention to you and they're still guys are still doing the exact same thing but the guys that are separating themselves and killing lots of birds they knew how to mix it up you know they had more than Mm -hmm. one more than one tool in their in their box guaranteed you know that's the reason good mechanics have a big toolbox got tools for everything you know yeah agreed uh, agreed so what i'm gonna get another go ahead no 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 i'm gonna interrupt you go for well, it well i had another one to go with that you know you always hear about they always say doctors and lawyers they're practicing doctor and they're practicing lawyer um 
Well, it took me a while to figure it out, so I have now decided that I'm a practicing duck hunter. And, and the whole point, <laughs> yep. the whole point there yep. is you always learn You always got to be trying to learn something new, you know, because they are. Um, they're trying to learn new things, new ways about medicine, uh, new things about the law. So they're practicing, meaning they're in operation, meaning they ain't afraid to learn, you know. So um, just one last little tidbit there. But go ahead. What was you fixing that? No, I, I agree with you completely. I think I used to, I was a high school teacher for a lot of years, a high school English teacher and a basketball coach and a track wow. coach. And one of the things I always said was nothing grows in a comfort zone. You know, when you get, when you get stuck in a rut, you get comfortable doing the same thing over and over and over. Well, sometimes that works, but it doesn't always work, you know? And if you don't have the ability to change things up, whether it's calling ducks or, um, you know, winning, winning ball games, you're, you're going to struggle. And I, 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 right. I see that a lot, but one, what I was going to ask you is one of the things that we notice out here is decoy decoy strategies, you know, and I've, I've noticed that my decoys out here are every bit, if not as if not more important, my decoy placement, my spread setup on the river is is every bit as important if not more important than my calling because my calling, i believe that man my calling gets those birds attention they see it but if i don't have my decoys set up naturally or correctly if i don't look if i don't take the time to study how those birds are sitting on the water up and down the river and mimic that with my decoy spread i'm very don't have any you know you're not going to decoy very many birds you're going to get some dumb ones but um, one of the things that we talk about, you talk about trafficking or, or breaking those, those, um, what was the term you used, um, trading ducks. Mm -hmm. We do that a lot. We, we got birds traveling up and down the river a lot and to get their attention, I've got to run a lot of decoys. I can't, mm -hmm. I can't run just half a dozen decoys like I can do on, on a, on a puddle someplace or a pond someplace and shoot ducks. I've got to have a big wad. Because they get up and down that river, and whenever you see birds just all of a sudden just dump into something without even looking twice, if you can get over there, there's usually a big wad of ducks right there. And that's why mm -hmm. they have the confidence to do that. And that's something that I've had to learn on on locally here is I gotta run a lot of decoys and they've gotta be set right. They've gotta be set naturally, like in an eddy, not maybe a duck or two in the current. So I, that's my movement, you know. But otherwise, mm -hmm. they've got to be tucked up against the bank or up underneath the olives, and they've got to look just like real ducks. I don't know how do you guys how do you guys combat that? Well, it's the the same way you talk about that. We had an issue um, a couple of years ago. We was hunting on the Arkansas River in Colorado, and had a lot of ducks. Um, um, and why ain't these ducks finishing? And we never could really figure it out until we flew a drone and seen how ducks were setting. And then in Nebraska, a couple years ago, hunting a really narrow slough, man, ducks would work, 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 but they wouldn't finish right. I'm mm -hmm. like, what, what is going on? So um, started looking how them ducks hang out on them small sloughs. That, you know how they are. They're narrow. Man, they're no wider than a pickup is long. Absolutely. And, and you got to be very cognizant how ducks are sitting there because they, they figured out. Um, good. They may have a brain the size of a pea, but <laughs> the good Lord talked them. My mother nature's taught them well, you know, they learn how to stay alive pretty good. And evolution being what it is, they figure out that um, 
man, them funny ducks there that's making all that racket, that's not the way old John M be setting up, you setting down the river there. So um, there's definitely something to that for sure. Whereas in the woods, it's it's important for sure. You, you, you definitely need movement and you tend to place decoys for visibility and in blocking. You know, we'll, we'll set up a lot of decoys trying to block ducks from going a certain sure. direction. Um, I'm sure y'all do too. But that general look is, is important. It's got to look natural. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing that I look for scouting birds. It's like, and it, you get you get you know guys that are new to it, or um, they'll ask you, you know, well, why did you why did you set this up the way you did? And it's like because this is exactly how the birds were setting yesterday when I scouted it. You know, they were up on the banks. A lot of times, I'll throw out. There's one spot, Jim. We use I use a bunch of field decoys because mm-hmm. there's a big bank that's that's sandy and it's got overhanging Russian olives. And I'll put some floaters in the water where those birds can see them, but then I'll put a couple dozen field decoys up underneath those Russian olive branches and so it looks like there's birds up on the bank feeding. And as those birds are working, they can see them, but they can't get a real good look at them, but they can see all oh, their, yeah, there's ducks here up underneath those branches. Mm-hmm. And man, it makes we do the, We do the same thing in the woods where they see them on one side or don't see them on the other. Um, big believers in jerk cords. Yep. Um, I get it. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. Are you still there? Yeah, I am. I okay. am. I was answering a text there. Sorry about that. No, no, but no, no worries. You just cut out on me for a second real quick. That's definitely that's got to be cool. paying attention. And that's one of probably the cool things about duck hunting is it's more than just one thing. You know, it's, it's, uh, calling decoy placement, concealment scouting it's it's a whole number of things that come together and from just the outside looking in it looks like a bunch of dudes just going out there and sitting and shooting shit all morning uh <laughs> making a bunch of racket on some calls and hoping something comes in but it's way more to it than that oh i completely agree i completely agree you know we we were able to get uh uh guy eastman in in the duck blind it was a goose i was on a goose hunt it was after duck season but he came out with us on on a hunt last year said he never would you know, died in the wool, big game guy for three generations. And I don't know, but we got him out there and he had a good oh, time. Cool. He had a good time, but he, he said that same thing. He's like, you know, I give you guys a lot of crap about, you know, this is just a coffee cup, coffee club, you know, you know, with, with shotguns and duck calls and stuff. But he said, there's more to it, you know, and, and, and he kind of realized that too. And so then the reason I say that is I, I think you're right. There's a lot that goes into it and it, you know, go back to saying duck hunter, but what we really talk about is, is waterfowlers. Same on the goose side. You know, I've, I've uh, been a fan of Sean stalls for a long time, you know, kind of grew up in the same area and man, that field hunting geese, especially geese that are, that are residents and that don't go anywhere. That that's an art, you know, and you've got to have mm-hmm. everything absolutely squared away or you're not going to kill birds. And it's it's more than just going out and hunkering down and throwing some decoys out, like you said. It's there's a lot more to it, and I that's one of the things I appreciate about having a conversation with guys like yourself is it's interesting to talk to fellows from around the country that are successful at it, successful at what they do, and pick their brain, and you know, always learning, always adding to that toolbox. It's always trying to, anyway. You know, you always got to ask questions to folks who's there because you'll learn something from them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Well, I already asked my my closing question, Jim. We've been we've been on for over an hour, and I've I'm going to let you go. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Um, and I've already asked my closing question. You said it was mallards and small water mallards. Uh, I small always water have. mallards. Yeah. Uh, river bottom woods, little small water place places is where I where, would be my preference. If that's the way I got to finish up. Oh, that's so cool. I I'm right there with you. That's, that's mine too. I, I, I would agree with you. Um, it's interesting to hear the guys, the, 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 flooded timber purists as 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 we like to laugh about it but um you know talking about well that's not flooded timber you know that's brush or, or whatever but small water i'm, I'm with you on that one i like yeah that. yeah, that's yeah, small water yeah. Idea. but well jim thank you very much i appreciate it and the offer's open you get out this way or get a wild hair and you want to come to wyoming and hunt give me a holler man we'll make it happen well, I just may do it. I, I got I'm thinking about some stuff out that direction for this year anyway. So I may hit you back up at another time and um, we'll discuss it. Perfect. Yep. You're more than welcome. Thanks again for your time. And I really enjoyed visiting with you. Likewise, partner. Enjoy meeting you. Have a great day. Yep. You too. Yeah. See you, buddy. All right. Bye-bye. All right.